What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Get the Who's podcast. The first line of this podcast, Draymond Green has been suspended for five games for his role in the Rudy Gobert altercation for the Warriors versus Timberwolves game. We're starting with that. Yes. Um, This episode is going to focus a lot on the Warriors and their expectations for 2024. But considering the timing of when we recorded, which was at the beginning of the season before any regular season was played, and now where Draymond is out for five games, I figured I might as well bridge that gap by giving you my thoughts and covering the current status of the team. So as I said, Draymond has been suspended five games. Did he deserve five games? Yes and no. Um, The act itself, to me, did not deserve five games in my estimation considering that we've seen other physical acts in the NBA in the modern era not be that long, potentially three to four games, not five. I think the five games from it is because of Draymond's past and the other altercations he's gotten into in his career with the technicals and all of that. And I think when they factor that in with what he actually did, that came out to five games. And I think based on that criteria, that makes sense. Do I agree with five games in general? No. If it was Klay Thompson that did what Draymond did, he wouldn't get five games. He'd probably get two or three. That's just me being realistic. But because of Draymond's past, he got it. So that is what it is. Um, Right now, this team is 6-6. Six and six. In that Wolves game, by the way, they competed to the very end. Chris Paul looked like Ben Simmons at the end, unfortunately. It's sad that that happened, but it is what it is. And we're currently in a state where we're mid. We're 6-6, six and six, where I believe 6th, in the Western Conference right now, but the standings change every day. We also play tonight when this podcast is coming out, so I'll be watching that on playback and YouTube. If you want to watch the game with me, tap in tonight. Um, I'll have those links in the description as well. But ultimately, yeah, man, we're here. And for this podcast, I did it with Double D. Shout out to him, dope creator. He makes uh, content on the NBA. He's also a Warriors fan. And we dive into the specifics of this Golden State team before the season, so there is no revisionist history. This is what we felt. So, yeah, I'm just going to quickly transition into that, but I wanted to address those things. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. It's also on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But let's get right into the show here, people. What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. We're here for episode 44. This should be the last episode of us covering basketball for all 30 teams i gotta say as an nba fan it's taken us a long time during this offseason but we've been grinding and we've been staying consistent and i like that approach so appreciate everyone who made it through all of these and even if you did it this playlist will be available on my channel to basically go through the expectations for all teams headed into 2024 but i'm so happy to say that we're done talking about other teams I'm finally here for my team that I support, the Golden State Warriors, and I'm here to cover it with Warriors fan and big content creator. Shout out to Double D for being on the podcast. I cannot wait to discuss Warriors hoops with you. Say hello to the people, man. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, first off, thank for having, or thank you for having me on. We all don't know I'm Double D. I uh, am an NBA YouTuber. Just recently hit uh, 100,000 subscribers, so happy about that kind of i wouldn't say warriors uh i guess i'd say warriors centric although i've been trying to you know kind of branch off the last year or so but still big uh 
focus on the Warriors. So I got to say, I'm very happy to have you here because you have been trying to, you know, branch out. And for this team, at least for me, oftentimes I spend a lot of time talking about many other teams. I've had many people on Twitter like hear me talk and, and they think I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm a Bucks fan. It's like, no, I, I just rarely talk about just my talk team. about the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, I just like to talk about the NBA as a whole. But here we get a chance to fully dissect our team. Like for me, I've been a, a Warriors fan ever since I got introduced to the sport. The first team I watched was really Oklahoma City. My dad was like not a fan of me watching sports when I was younger. He wanted me to play sports because he's from Africa. So for him, he felt like me not playing sports, but talking about it would be something weird. So he just had me playing football all day long. But after I started to watch it, you know, obviously uh, Steph and, and Clay and Draymond, like how they play basketball is what brought me to the team. But man, it's been a long off season and there's a lot of things that happen with this team. The first place I want to start with though, has to be last year. Um, I'm going to start with the high point, okay? We won a title, okay? We beat the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals, okay? We survived Draymond Green pod gate where a bunch <laughs> of the Warriors fan community was divided. He shouldn't be doing a podcast when NBA Finals were losing. Steph hurts himself at the end of Game 3, so, like, it was very bad vibes, but we still win classic Game 4 from Steph and it brings the fourth championship to the Warrior Dynasty and we come into the offseason feeling good I mean a lot of people were split on some players on the team which obviously we'll get into but we come off of a title a lot of the NBA is basically coming for us to start and I'll be honest um I fell for the Kool-Aid okay James Wiseman in preseason okay now listen I'll be clear, Double D, right? I'm not saying I thought he was going to be this, like, alpha great player. I'm just thinking, can yeah. you get to 10 minutes for me in the player? Can you just be, like, a 10-minute guy yeah. who can just move around, block shots? What were your thoughts on James Wiseman in, in, in preseason last year? No, because it's it's so, like, funny, like, how things turned out. Because he looked great in preseason, like, especially in the... Uh... I forget what uh what game that was. I I forget if it was the second or third game against the the Nuggets where they had that like crazy second quarter. But like he looked great. So I don't really know like what exactly happened between that and the start of the season where you know it kind of looked like he had uh kind of regressed to um like the player that he <laughs> kind of was his rookie year. But I mean I suppose that being out for so long, he was out for a whole, well, really, a season and a half, really. But I guess, like, being out for that long kind of, uh, you know, kind of had an effect on it. It was hard for me, man, because I'll be honest, yeah. right? Wiseman, I feel bad for because his career is very different from everyone else's. First off, he got yeah. suspended in college, so he only played three games. He comes into the league basically during covid he gets hurt his first year his second year he misses all summer league practices so like he doesn't have time and like the flashes he showed in terms of his athleticism uh being switchable in spots on the pick and roll on defense was cool but ultimately yeah. it's like he never really figured it out as a warrior and and again in preseason yeah. it's like he's blocking shots he's hitting threes like he's he's working hard this is going to be great and then the season starts. 
and yeah it's pretty bad yeah like i feel like again it's just like he wasn't getting the the reps that he had needed to uh kind of you know develop so i mean better situation for him to in the detroit so we'll see what happens I hope so, because he's battling for the backup big right now with Marvin Bagley over there. So we'll see how that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pans yeah. itself out. But, yeah, um, we look good in preseason. But then, obviously, those first 10 games, what I remember the most is the crippling losses to bad teams <laughs> in the first 10. Um, Charlotte, Orlando. Detroit. which <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> Dude, I, <laughs> I remember Jalen Suggs giving us, like, 37 <laughs> it's like i'm like what is happening with this team the on-ball defense was terrible we could not stop a soul on defense and the worst part about it for me double d is every loss was like see this is because draymond punched jordan Poole, and like the <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh my goodness man yeah uh <laughs> that yeah that happened <laughs> That was a thing. I felt weird watching it because it's like, I feel like if the video didn't come out, it probably would have been different. But like the yeah. amount of buzz around the team with that happening led to a bunch of stuff. Draymond didn't help it by literally doing a like documentary, a documentary. opening night, bro. Bro. What was your reaction on that, man? Uh, I wasn't like, because i was in the bay like i was uh there for opening night so i i didn't know that that was happening and that uh like that whole thing i think that we had like known that he was doing something like that but i like wasn't able to watch it i was just seeing what people were saying about it because um like i was just chilling outside of uh chase center like for, for the for for like a couple hours before the game started and so i was just sitting there just like watching uh, like my Twitter feed and seeing people like, is he serious right now? <laughs> so, yeah. Coming in, I think there were a lot of expectations for Jordan Poole, and I want to give him a lot of credit because Poole, during the championship run, I mean, he was literally good to the point where we could start him versus Denver, and he played well. I think as yeah. the playoffs progressed, it became harder for him to be as good, you know, as he played harder competition but he definitely played a big role for us to win games and it really felt like his contract year was coming up so i'm like okay this is going to be the best pool that we see and instead that was probably his most up and down season of them all i mean he he averaged 28 yeah. points as a starter which was great but he just had wildly inconsistent night he would go from scoring 41 to like five points Four fouls, yeah. terrible defense. The Jordan Poole experience was extremely tough, I would say, Double D. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, because I made a video uh, back in March that kind of blew up, and people <laughs> like thought I was a Jordan Poole hater or something. Like My my whole thing about that was just, I, I was just basically pointing out the fact that it was the inconsistency that was kind of hurting the team, because they didn't really know what to do with him and i feel like there was a quote i'm pretty sure like from like other uh like executives where it was like they don't 
know what to do with him and i i feel like i think that was the exact quote <laughs> so like it was just <sighs> i yeah, damn man <laughs> he was extremely inconsistent and what made it so tough for me is that pool when he's playing at his best he's getting to the rim he was the only other guy on the team outside of maybe andrew wiggins sometimes that could get yeah. to the free throw line and shoot like 10 free throws and as an undersized team, we needed him to do that. But I feel like a lot of times he would just take these tougher threes first instead of just doing what yeah. he does best because his speed is legit. He, he was getting by people, but the second unit he was a part of wasn't great and he couldn't elevate that unit. So we struggled tremendously. It got to a point where they chose to stagger Steph and Draymond so Draymond could play more to elevate the bench. And it was just, was yeah. an extremely up and down season. I think Poole is a good player. I just think his floor as a player was so low last year. Like, how do you go from, like, this guy that subs in for Draymond in the finals in the last, like, five minutes of a crucial must-win game to unplayable in the playoffs this year? Like, it was a very yeah. tough situation for him, for real. Like, I feel like it was a situation where because he had a breakout season, then teams didn't really know what to do with him and so he was just kind of cooking everybody and also like it looks like the game just kind of came to him a little bit easier because of that and then you come into you know the next season everybody well not everybody but you know a lot of teams kind of have a better scheme for him in place and since the only thing that he really provided at that point was his scoring then you're if you're able to shut that down then he can't really provide anything else outside of that so it comes or becomes a pretty big liability pretty fast especially when like you on defense with Steph and clay is just so like yeah. just so bad like it felt like sometimes he was making it harder on himself on purpose because it's like i know you're a better defender than this and he's just yeah. getting blown by just consistently over and over like that memphis series ja just said every play high pick and roll switch 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 and that that just can't work especially if you're not really making shots you're not really playmaking and you're just taking tougher shots again i think yeah. his ceiling as a player can be high but the floors are so low and ultimately if you want to win you need to have a high enough floor and a high enough ceiling and he just wasn't giving that to us especially when again we're a undersized team like bringing looney out and starting Jordan Poole is a full bet on the play of the starters to be good enough to where you don't have to be big because we can space you out and create really good offense. And we really couldn't do that. Yeah. Hey, oh, man. Come on, Looney was really our tallest player last year. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's man, not a troll. Crazy. Yes. And I feel like the, um, the thinking when they kind of came into the season is that we have guys that play taller than they are like Kaminga like Draymond Green but then you have Kaminga and he barely even plays <laughs> so it's just like your whole plan is just kind of you just self-sabotage your whole plan <laughs> I think the Kaminga thing was That's weird it. too because yeah. during the season when Steph got hurt he got Especially, more opportunity to play and he played well you know what i'm saying yeah. but 
didn't get any tick in the playoffs at all yeah. like just none Kaminga, moody another another name that should have played more last season that's you know probably gonna play more this year bro we played anthony hopefully... lamb over moody bro <laughs> real shit we played <laughs> anthony like, lamb over we were moody at a w. point we were at a point where we were playing anthony lamb's 25 minutes those are some dark days, man. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you because I knew coming in like Anthony Lamb's gonna barely get any minutes in the playoffs. I know this. I know this. So to yeah. not play Moody or Kuminga to where they could develop through their mistakes during the regular season and playing Anthony Lamb, who was also an inconsistent player. If he's not making shots, he also wasn't that great. <laughs> I just didn't see the point of it, and like it made me so mad because they wouldn't play Kuminga. He played Moody. And Moody actually produced for us and was pretty good yeah. in the playoffs. And you would think, especially versus LA, which I promise we'll get to all the playoffs and all that, but the athleticism that Kuminga provided, he's probably the most athletic player on the team outside of Andrew Wiggins. And obviously last year, Andrew Wiggins only played 37 games. Normally he plays 70. So it was a very different vibe for us. And that's why Kuminga to me was such a, key piece and is a key piece now because he's the only other guy that could take the ball from the three-point line and get to the paint in the half court and transition so using that as a answer to not having the size quote-unquote is huge and so, so far in preseason obviously like he, he's been getting to the free throw line he's giving more effort in boxing out on the glass and he's just running up and down the court way more we need that type of skill set and it would have been nice if I could say, hey, you know what? Kuminga at least has some playoff experience. He doesn't. So it's like all this shit can really yeah. mean nothing. He gets into the playoffs and it's the same thing. I hope not, but that's where I'm at with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like he is going to kind of take that leap. Obviously, we need to still see what uh, he's going to look like in the playoffs. But I feel like he's going to be better prepared because it's not like he hasn't played in the playoffs like at all he played uh like he got some minutes in the first uh the first season when they won the title but not obviously not as many uh like towards the you know conference finals finals you know all that but <clears throat> i feel like it's good it's just gonna be like a um like a learning curve in a way yeah I think with Kuminga, it's going to take some time for him to like fully realize things. But again, that's what another individual on this team, and I'm going to name his name after we fully introduce that segment, but that's what I think this other person can help Kuminga with. Um, I do have to bring this part up here, though. I'm not going to lie, Double D. When I sat there, I got a call, okay? I was at work. My friend Derek, Derek, shout out to you. I've had you on the podcast before, but this was very foul of you. I'm at work, right? Vulnerable. Derek calls me. I haven't checked Twitter. I'm just, I'm just locked in. Like, okay, I want to get off work, right, <laughs> as early as possible. <laughs> this man calls me and tells me that we traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. My first reaction is to laugh because I know you're trolling me. Like, we ain't really do that for real. Like, that's not the case. And like. I saw reports saying that the Warriors were interested in Chris Paul, but I'm thinking that's a smoke screen. Like, we're not r really interested. It's just saying, oh, yeah, they're interested. And then I look at what we traded, and we traded Poole and a pick to get Chris Paul. 
Um, and PBJ. And we traded PBJ, who I thought had some promise last year, and maybe he was gonna gone. Like the that stuff happened, and like I pulled over immediately. <laughs> okay, and I had a tweet. Now I don't delete tweets, so that tweet's gonna be up there. It is what it is. But I literally said the season is cooked, and I said it immediately because it's like. So our answer to not having the size versus these other teams in the playoffs is to get Chris Paul, who is nearly 40 years old, gets injured every year in the playoffs, and doesn't really provide much size. I also thought that Chris Paul and Draymond were extremely redundant together because it's like they're both going to get treated like non-spacers, and they need the ball in their hands to be productive offensively. Draymond less so because he can obviously set off-ball screens. But for Chris Paul, he's not going to bring you that premium value defensively, so... It's better to maximize Chris with the ball in his hands. And I'm like, wait a minute. So Chris Paul, Steph, and Clay defensively, like I I want to see these lineups. No. And and I was tight. I was very tight. But I do think Chris Paul for the second unit, as I said earlier, he is gonna help this team, I think, because we struggle a lot with dumb turnovers. And the starters can get away with it because it's it's Steph and it's Clay. Like we can match it offensively, but when the bench is also turning the ball over, and they don't have like a normal ball handler to like have an understanding of what to get to, it's an issue. I think Chris Paul can help make life easier for Kuminga, Moody, and all of the other players on the team. But it took me a very long time to like bite that bullet and just accept this. Because me personally, I'm not a Chris Paul fan. I'll just be honest. I respect him as a player. All this and all that, but seeing that trade happen, I I just did not know how to react. How about you? Oh man, nah. The, <laughs> I remember uh, when I first saw the because um, I I didn't have uh, tweet notifications on yet because uh, free agency hadn't started yet. So like I was just scrolling down the timeline, I see like what I thought was a Woj just account. <laughs> say that they were trading for Chris Paul. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I got got. But then I see Shams. <laughs> oh, man. I still can't believe it. But, um... I remember I, I pulled out the, uh, the old Stephen A. quote. His very first move as the executive. Because <laughs> that was, uh... I think that was... Like a couple weeks after we had, uh, yeah. had employed Mike Dunleavy, uh, and that was also <laughs> people don't really like to talk about this. That was also like two days after he had said that Jordan Poole is <laughs> staying here for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. He did say he was like Jordan Poole not going nowhere, and then two days later shipped it off for Chris Paul. Yeah, uh, obviously did not like it at first. I, I, well, at first I thought we were gonna be flipping him for something else uh but then they had said that no we're very we're excited to have him here i was like oh this is real like you're actually doing this uh and that kind of oh man i still remember like i was like what because it's like i was thinking about maybe like the contract situation and also just the fact that he's 38 years old um, but as I kind of like, as the off season kind of went on, I was like, you know, maybe this could 
work out. I kind of see what they're trying to do, like like you said, with the uh, the turnover problems, um, and you know, kind of having someone better and more, I guess, equipped to run that second unit. Because Jordan Poole at this point is a starter, um, and so I guess it like it doesn't really make that much sense to have him stay here when. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to start Jordan Poole <laughs> just the whole season? Like, you're probably not going to do that. So from that perspective, like, I, I kind of or kind of started to see, like, what they were kind of thinking with that. And then also, you know, bring in Dario Saric, who is a past teammate of his, who, you know, kind of understands him, knows how to play with him. Um, and then Draymond's injury happens. And so we kind of <laughs> are put into a situation where we kind of start chris paul and the thing to think about that is that he did look better than i thought he was going to in that unit uh obviously the um the turnovers <laughs> uh uncharacteristically high for him there were games where he was having like four or five turnovers in preseason um especially like when he was playing a lot more with the, the starting unit but as preseason kind of went on, he started to kind of get more situated with like the bench unit or kind of had started to play more minutes with that unit. I think that this definitely could work out better than I thought. Um, but obviously we'll have to wait and see. Draymond, is he back opening night? I, I can't remember. They said he's not uh, confirmed. I believe he started 5-1-5 practice, so he might be back. It's looking like it's trending in that direction, but it's not all the way confirmed just yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of kind of waiting and, and seeing at this point. Although I am uh, more on board than I was <laughs> a couple months ago. So. Yeah. It took me a while to just accept it. But then once basketball was back in front of me, I, I could see stylistically where he fits in his first game he surprised me a lot with the quick passing like yeah there were some plays where Steph would give him the ball and then he would instantly give it either right back to Steph or to Clay um in his yeah. first game there's a specific pass where he gets the ball on the baseline and he throws a quick rifle pass to Clay who's like right at the basket and Clay was so surprised by it, he didn't shoot it immediately, and then he shot it, and he missed, right? But just yeah. seeing him be willing to give up the ball quicker, I'm like, okay. And yeah. I saw him setting some screens, and I'm like, I. the last thing I expected was a 38-year-old Chris Paul to be setting off-ball screens just to set them. And I'm like, yeah. okay, if he's doing that, that works for us pretty well. Yeah, I feel like that was the thing that kind of like got me more uh on board and kind of like let the more acceptance <laughs> of the situation because it's like i didn't think that he would be like that uh what's the word like that in tune with the motion as as fast as he was like you kind of expected there to be like a, a sort of like an adjustment to to right. like the way that they play but he looked to kind of fit right in and you might like expect that uh to a certain extent with a high iq player like him but i don't think i expected it to be that fast because yeah like i didn't think he was gonna be game, that really. yeah i didn't think he was gonna be that portable like 
Yeah. He came in and fit well. Defensively, we're going to still have issues, but I liked what Chris Paul was doing too with how he would catch the ball and instantly would float into a Looney pick and roll quickly. And I keep saying just, man, I love Looney so, so much. Like he, he does great in his role, but dude can't get off the floor. And it's like, if yeah. we could have a more explosive lob threat, which maybe is Trace. I love Trace, but it's hard for bigs to be very productive in their first year. Like, there's so much that they have yeah. to know how to do. But him playing many years in college seems to have, you know, equipped yeah. him to be he, able he to do that. He looked great. Pre-season. Yeah, he looked good, right? He looked Especially good. Especially against Sabonis. I was not expecting him to, to be playing Sabonis like that. Like, he no. was playing great defense. Dude, he had a play versus the Spurs where he's facing the perimeter like this, right? And then he does like a 180 spin to block a shot in the paint. And I'm like, that's that's crazy. Like, we just don't have athleticism like that on defense. Yeah. yeah. Like, and going back to, to Chris Paul, like the thing, <laughs> I think like the, the craziest part was like the, I think it was, I can't remember is the first or second play. Chris Paul gets a screen and he dribbles into his patented mid-range. First shot is a mid-range. And I'm like, you know what? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing that. Cause you can already see like uh like in the, the first preseason games, like there's already obviously uh or like not as much of a emphasis on uh, three-point shooting like they're still shooting a lot but not nearly as many as last season not like you know the, the 50 or <laughs> 55 that they were taking in, in some games so definitely could help to have a bigger uh variance and and just shot selection overall than just three-pointer or layup or you know floater <laughs> yeah and um i gotta give chris paul credit too because i think the the thing I was most impressed with had to be the Kings game that was super competitive because they were blowing us out by a lot. And then in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul had the ball in his hands, Yep. but he was getting Not the ball at Steph. Dunks. Like I was impressed with that, but, but like the way that he found a way to get Steph the ball, because it felt like last year, a lot of times in the fourth quarter, we're like, what is this team doing? Like, like why is Steph not getting the ball? What's happening? Chris Paul made it a point of emphasis to get him the ball and he was making great decisions. And I didn't think about this before the trade happened, but now I'm starting to think that having Chris Paul as that secondary ball handler who can make decisions and be trusted to make decisions helps Steph a lot. Cause now Steph doesn't have to do everything. Like in the Lakers series, He was literally creating offense every single possession. High pick and rolls with GP, Green, like <laughs> he had to do everything. So Chris Paul being there can really emphasize Steph on being the uh, flat out scoring threat he really is, I think. Oh my God. Nah, the the amount of, of just stuff that he was needing to do last season, like he was doing it. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's like kind of, gonna be the thing that kind of gets lost is just how he was playing because it's like i don't think that i've ever seen him just be able to get such simple offense like that easily as as he was doing the really the entire year but it was just it wasn't resulting in wins like steph never gets triple doubles like that's 
the no. the kind of thing that we were or, or kind of the thing that I was thinking about. He had, I think, two triple doubles last season, one in the regular season, one in the playoffs. We lost both of those games. <laughs> and so it's just like what else can he really do at that point? Like, like you said before, having Chris Paul there as the secondary ball hander is definitely a way different dynamic than having Jordan Poole as secondary dynamic. Because I feel like, yeah, you're concerned about Jordan Poole, but only to an extent. Like, Chris Paul is just a much smarter player at this point in his career. Like, and so... I feel like that is going to benefit them more than just having someone that can just go out there and put the ball in the hoop, you know? And like I think that can that just knows what like everything that's going on, you know, I think that right there, what you just said, I think that was the Warriors mindset this offseason to just get more guys who had high IQ and could fit in the system. Dario is Sarge. another example of that, like like this guy that can shoot threes at a high level understands where to position himself in any pick and pop action and a guy that can just catch the ball attack closeouts and pass i mean he's been very impressive all oh preseason some, some of his like bounce passes uh have been nice like yeah that like it's like that's andrew bogut that's bielitsa you know and so i feel like that is gonna be a positive yeah, I feel like he can sort of fill that 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 void that Bielitsa left. That see see listen, it that's or exactly what I like said, right? I view Dario Saric as basically Bielitsa part two, but way more mobile, uh, a bit better with the size defensively in spots, and also yeah. the way that he just consistently attacks downhill off a of closer. Like I'm like, damn, did Dario just get an N one <laughs> off the catch? Like <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, like that's like kind of an advantage that I I could definitely see. Because it's just you're not really used to something like that. <laughs> like no. A big big attacking downhill off of like a, a handoff or something. And or I feel like, like teams a, like a, a naked handoff or you know, something along those lines. Yeah, I feel like teams uh, didn't like greatly respect B elites three like that even though he could shoot i'm seeing teams yeah. look at dario like damn do do yeah. we like like yeah Anthony <laughs> davis was like okay do i cover this or do i get out to dario like he's a respected shooter which changes the floor a lot a lot a lot having more guys with yeah. size who can shoot helps any lineup especially when you have kuminga who's gonna be athletic and get out in transition with dario like that just fits so well yeah like and it it is pretty interesting that like people didn't I feel like respect like you said uh, Bielisa's three as much as Dario's because they shoot around the same uh, percentage but Dario just has uh, more gravity <laughs> you know didn't want to say the word but I said it. that's crazy double D are you saying you don't believe in gravity. <laughs> 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 nah, man. I, I just you you know like the the stigma surrounded with the like oh people that say gravity you know <laughs> <laughs> there is a gravity stigma all over Twitter so that's yeah. definitely fair. Um, I myself am a believer in gravity. I'll put that on the record, but people do be overdoing it with the gravity stuff. Yeah, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, um, I think what I liked as well, and this guy surprised me, I thought he would be good, but I thought it would take more time. Brandon has been extremely impressive in terms of being a decision maker. He almost had yeah. a triple-double in preseason with no turnovers. Like, he's been really aggressive, like attacking downhill. Yep. Uh, great finishing around the rim. Did not expect that. Um, and also just, you know, being a great playmaker in, like, the minutes that he is, like, out there with, you know, like, the the second unit or the third unit <laughs> might as well be in preseason. But, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to get minutes or not or, like, how many minutes he's going to get. But definitely could be someone to go to in, like a blowout or you know something like that just to kind of get reps i just think the passing the that he does like it was blowing my mind how like how young he is playing in like crucial minutes in the preseason how he's just finding shooters passing the right way and they pass him the ball many times where there's like five seconds left and I'm like okay so we're gonna get like a really bad shot and he was finding extra last minute plays where oh we scored oh or yeah we didn't score but that's a great possession like he had a yeah. a really nice feel for that and you don't see that often from younger guards who have never played before yeah and i feel like <clears throat> it's gonna be like because i remember like how pissed a lot of fans were when we picked him on draft night they were tight uh, yeah um and so i feel like it's gonna be a similar situation to someone like kaminga who i'd feel like also kind of got some hate from our fan base on draft night um where we don't really or we didn't really kind of see like how he would fit in this in this system but now that we see it we're like oh okay he can he can do this yeah people didn't uh like kuminga on draft night there were a lot of people saying he's yeah. a dumb basketball player i remember these things yeah um I also remember people trying to trade Kuminga for. Yeah, we were like, we were more excited about about the Moody pick because he fell to fourteen. People were way more excited <laughs> about the Moody. Pick. This is true. <laughs> yeah. This is very true. But now I just feel like with these two guys, I feel like this season for me, right? I think we have a chance to win. I'm not going to say we don't have a chance, but I feel like this is a transitional period where. You're trying to get more from your younger guys. You're trying to, you know, establish a better direction for Warriors basketball. But you're also just trying to, you know, see how many games you can win. I think this team has a higher floor than last year. I think the ceiling is where my question comes into place. Because if Kuminga takes that leap in terms of being that guy that can consistently play 25 minutes, getting downhill, being one of the better wing defenders on our team... We now have Andrew Wiggins, Draymond, and Kuming who can all play that role. That changes the ceiling, but we have to see it. So I'm not quite yeah. sure where we are with that. I like him a lot, but again, seeing how the floor is bent in the playoffs, that's what's going to matter. The decision-making and the burst of the basket. Because last year, we shot a ton of threes in the playoffs. They were not going in, and it looked like we had no athleticism to provide a counter when our shots weren't falling. So that's what I'm looking yeah. at. And I think GP, by the way, is huge for us because 
we started out with poor uh poor defense once we got gp2 our perimeter defense was much better even though we were still shit for every road game i think this yeah. year is going to be different having him at the very beginning yeah the, the road i still have no idea i know that we like wrote it down on the the topics uh bullet points but i still have no idea what that even was like no. i <laughs> like that's so out of the ordinary like that just doesn't happen especially for a team that won actually no not even just for a team that won the title that doesn't happen period like you don't have one of the best home records in the league and then one of the worst road record no team has ever had that <laughs> night and day record we were like nine games one on the road and we were dominant at home <laughs> they were literally like a top six i believe offense and defense at home a night and day team <laughs> and then on the road we're yeah. like the 26 defense i think like it was really bad yeah like it was just like oh man and then just the fact that a lot of those road games were lost like in the last 10 minutes five minutes <laughs> you know i will never forget so. what the nets did to us man we we got we got obliterated we lost by like 60 points versus the nets on the road <laughs> now you know what's crazy is that i wasn't even really watching that i was on uh playback with with dom and, and kobe around that time and i forget what game we were watching but i just had the game up on my my second monitor Every time I look back, okay, Kevin Durant hits another three. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, Kyrie. All right. We're down 35 now. Okay. <laughs> it just kept going up. They, sc they scored like 90 points in the first half, right? 90 Something points like in that. the first half, bro. 90. <laughs> it was a tough. And like, I think what contributed to us not being so good on the road is it felt like the Warriors didn't care. And I don't mean that from like a basketball sense, but it's like we had so many games where it's like, okay, we'll just sit everybody yeah. and just lose. Like, that's fine. We'll be okay. And it's the, like the two Pelicans <laughs> games. Yo, we sat everyone and lost considerably. And it <laughs> didn't get better as our season progressed. I remember at the very end, yeah. it literally came down to us being one game ahead to not fall to the play-in. I'll never forget, at full strength, we played Denver without Jokic late in the season, went to Denver, and lost. Like, that's how bad it was. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I know, bro. I feel like, I feel like it was just, because repeating is difficult, like, we all know that, but I feel like it was just arrogance at that point. Because they, they felt like they could just... Yeah, we yeah, we'll we'll just take this night off. And then by you get to around December, you're like, "Oh shit. We're we're actually not that good." Yes. <laughs> but then, you know, by that time, you're already like you've already built the habits that you you've built. And so it's kind of hard to kind of get your uh like your feet back at, at or at that point, especially now when you have Steph out. Uh and then Obviously, Poole and uh, and Clay kept the season alive during that time, but yeah, I damn, it was very tough, man. I yeah. I vividly remember watching these games, praying that okay, this man Jermichael Green is hooping this game. Can we win this game, please? Like like need like <laughs> I remember one game Jermichael had twelve rebounds. I'm like, let's go, let's just win the game. We need it. And oh, man, Jermichael, 
Jermichael Green was a was an experience last year, but <laughs> I think, bro, I think for That's me not the, the worst experience. Oh no, oh no, there were some worse people, <laughs> but um, I think for me the worst road loss we had. Okay, I'm looking Danny Cameron when I said it because I I vividly remember this game. No, no, worse than that. On the road, Boston. No Steph Curry versus Utah. I see. Look, see. Look. Hey, listen. If you're listening to this podcast or audio, look at Double D's face on the visual side of things. You know what that Utah loss was about. I know you remember that game. I know you do. We were up oh with five God. points. It was like 30 seconds left, and we choked and lost. No, the the thing about that was that we were up, like we were up by like two possessions with a minute left. A and we kept left. getting offensive rebounds, and they kept shooting threes. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept yeah, shooting threes. And then the turnover, which led to the fast break for them to score it, to seal the game, basically, too. Yeah. And now, like, when that happened, first there was the, the clay falling asleep on the... the that was bad. The, the kickouts of the corner three. But, uh, yeah, that turnover... I, I still remember, I was like, did that really just, like, did I actually just watch that happen? <laughs> like, did we actually just lose that game? I literally threw my phone. I was I was sitting here watching the game, like, all right, this is great. The game is over. Like, we got it just a minute. Just got to hold it down for a minute. <laughs> and within a span of two possessions, they hit threes. They leak out. And the pool turnover I was like, there's no way we just lost this game. And it's at a point where, like, the Western Conference is like, you lose one game and you drop from, like, two to, like, nine. Like, literally the Pelicans <laughs> were, like, the number one seed, right? They lose, like, 13 straight and they drop from one to, like, 14, right? Like, that's how competitive the, the Conference Pelicans, was. Yeah. There were a lot of teams at as the one seed last season. Like, yes considerable way into like 10 15 games into the season that didn't even make the playoffs like the the blazers were the one seed at one point the jazz who yeah, the were jazz cooking, was cooking at the, the start of the season yeah yeah larry marketing looked like larry bird um and then who who else the the pelicans yeah dominant and then yeah. they just lost 13 games straight <laughs> And there was no Zion, so it was a wrap for that. Like I just, I just couldn't believe how much trolling was going on with the lineups and the decision making. It's like, bro, we can't yeah. afford to be losing to Utah when we're up with thirty seconds left yeah, in the feel, game. Yeah, I feel like it was like it was a situation where they were like, okay, we did this last season and we won the title, so maybe we can try to like figure something out. But the thing about that is that you were like eighteen and two at one point, and you were you know you know dicking around with with chris chioza minutes and oh my you know, god things like that oh my god the tattooed steph curry chris chioza man <laughs> i i remember this yeah evil steph evil did steph, not yeah. want yeah didn't want to shoot anything but um but yeah like you when you're you know 20 games over 500 you know you can do that but when you're struggling to to stay out of the play-in bracket you, you cannot you, do that yeah yeah, I I believe and I pray that this team has more urgency for the regular season than before. I think that Clay, a year removed, 
is going to be able to play more games this year. And I hope that Clay turns into a good version of contract year Clay and not I need this max. So I'm shooting every shot I get Clay. We'll see how that, you know, pans itself out. But I'm like, I remember we came into the season out of shape, basically, outside of Steph and I think Jordan Poole. And it's like Clay was probably the worst version of himself for like two months. And then as soon as Steph goes yeah. down, he starts to have like his best volume three point shooting season ever. Like just crazy, crazy shot yeah. shots. The 50 points versus Portland, where like he literally is yeah, ISOing 54. for the game. Yeah, he's he's like he's ISO step back three. <laughs> <laughs> step back three. Down. Yeah, the uh the the two games against OKC where he hit like what 10 threes and like 12 threes. Yep. He had 12 or he had 12 threes in multiple games last year, right? I think he had 12 threes versus the Rockets too. No, I, I think, think he had 10 that game. Oh, 10, okay. Yeah, I think the both the OKC games he had twelve. Yeah, look that up for me because I some something like that. Yeah, he was bombing OKC up though. I remember those games. He he just left nothing. <laughs> he just killed OKC. <laughs> oh no, he did. Yeah, he did hit twelve threes against Houston. I thought you meant the game in Houston. Oh uh, no, 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 no. The game in Houston, he hit ten. And then he was cooking Houston <laughs> repeatedly, bro. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Atlanta game 21 for 39. <laughs> I remember that. Shots, 39 I, shots for 54 points. I remember um, that game. I remember that game because we needed that game. We needed that game so badly, yeah. bro. That was a must win game for us, man. That was, that that was the double overtime game, right? Yep. Looney won with the tap. Yeah. Bro, the tip in from Looney. Yes. I forgot about that. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Clay was very interesting because, again, if you look at his entire season, again, he started out uh, shooting, like, insanely bad for the first two months. Like, it was, it was, bro, I remember people were like, yo, start Jordan Poole because it's not making no sense. Yeah. And then he just, like, lights the league on fire, plays like an all-NBA player based on his shot making, and he finishes out the year shooting his best on volume for his career and now it's like okay now clay thompson you've had more time to rest i pray that you can transition into being a neutral to at least slight positive defender and we'll see where that takes us but i remember the lakers series and it's like no mobility was there you're missing every single shot unfortunately Bron is literally Taking like wild three what yo wild threes and it gets so bad to the point where LeBron is pump faking at a clay shot. And it's like, I'm really going to Steph. I'm going to leave you. I'm, I'm going to let you shoot. And I've never seen that happen to clay before. Yeah. Like it was, uh, oh man, I still remember. Like, do you remember the, um, the game four shot where we still had the Lonnie Walker game? Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot a, we, about like, that. Like we still, we still had a chance to win. Clay took those like two back-to-back shots. Steve Kerr is in the back. <laughs> Like, like this yeah like he, he had his hands yeah. up like it was like i think the game was still it was still like a one-point game at that point with like a minute and a half left i was like we lost <laughs> we just lost yes it was all bro it was over and, and like oh my goodness the lonnie walker game that's really bad memories bro yeah man Be oh 
God, Lonnie, Lonnie oh, got. Man. He didn't he outscore like the whole Warriors team by himself in the fourth. Uh, I don't think he outscored the team, but he had like 15 points God, in the fourth bro. quarter, and they were like his only 15 points <laughs> of the game. He scored all of it in the fourth, and it, and like it kills me because it's like okay, right? Like I I will be the Warriors fan that gives the Lakers credit. Okay, they have more size, free throws, fine, right? Fine, but the fact that people will not acknowledge that that like the series deciding game where we go down three one is literally decided by Lonnie Walker and you just think that on paper they're supposed to like beat us in five or whatever like Lonnie Walker decided yeah. our season bro that's crazy <laughs> that's crazy to say yeah and it was uh yeah so it was it was 15 to 17 we scored 17 15 he scored to 15. 17 <laughs> he, he scored 15 we scored 17 let me let me see what this Okay, so Steph had 10 of the 17. Moses Moody had 2. Andrew Wiggins had 2. Klay Thompson had 3. And then uh, Draymond and GP2 didn't take a shot. So 10 of the 17, bro. 10. Yeah. 4 for 11. God, he took 11 of the 17 shots. Yeah. That is insane. It was a tough series, man. And... I kept saying at the start, like, listen, we're tired from the King series. Kuminga has not played high minutes in the playoffs. Just see what he could do for like four minutes. And I got my answer, but it was in the closeout game when we already lost and we're getting blown out by like 15 points. Like, I, I just. Oh, had... oh, that was the game. Oh, Jordan Poole didn't score. That was that game. Oh, Jordan Poole going scoreless in the playoffs, too. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that too. 0 for, 0 for 4 in 10 minutes. Steph 12 for... He took 30 shots. He took 30 shots, yes. That's where the offense that was, was. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was the triple-double game. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, 3 steals. <laughs> in a loss. I, man. Yeah. I just don't think they had another reliable ball handler to, to make decisions because remember, Poole was unplayable in the playoffs, so it's like... Yeah. Outside of Steph, it's, it's Draymond, and that's not yeah. going anywhere. And he can't, yeah. Anthony Davis can <laughs> play so far off of him. So far it's off crazy. of him. Yeah. So, I think that Chris Paul to close makes sense. It's just, I just don't like the defense. But to be fair, his decision-making should balance yeah, it you're, out. You're gonna get you're going to get better shots than yeah. you were getting last season at, at, at the end of the games. I just want to see what it looks like with Draymond because, again, we haven't seen Draymond yeah. and, and Chris Paul play together. I've heard some people say that they want to see Chris Paul, Draymond, two-man game with Steph Clay off the ball. But my thing is, why do you have to guard that pick and roll? Like, I I think yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid of Chris Paul. Like, listen, I'm such a Chris Paul hater. I vividly remember Chris Paul took 26 shots at the basket last year total for the entire season. He took Yes. Listen, go on cleaning the glass if you got that. Look at his shot I chart. Do. Okay. I'm pretty sure he took 26 shots at the basket for the regular season. I'm so serious. All right. <laughs> that is What does it say? So what does it crazy. say? There's nothing at the rim. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, 26 shots. At the Seven rim. percentile is so crazy. <laughs> like that's what it was. So 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 like imagine me right knowing these numbers 
and seeing Chris Paul on the team. So the idea that Chris Paul and Draymond need to do pick and rolls, like, I don't like the sound of that. I think you're better yeah. equipped if you have Draymond doing off-ball screens and, and really having Chris and Steph on, on the ball more. Draymond can get the ball and yeah, have that role better, as a diver, you know? Yeah, you're better off having, like, Chris Paul as a ball handler and yeah. Draymond running some sort of action with, with Steph or Clay off-ball. 100%. Than trying to run pick-and-rolls with Steph and, or Chris Paul and Draymond Green. People just say that because, oh, it's fine because you got Steph and Clay, and if these two are on paper yeah. non-spacers, just run the two-man game, and it's going to be great. Like, that's... It's not how basketball works, no. You know. Yeah. But I want to ask you yeah, now. That so is, that is crazy. I don't lie about my stats, never. It's it's a real. It was crazy, but and I want to ask you this. So now that we've seen preseason, we have idea what the team is going to be. We pretty much talked over every key signing that we've had so far. What are your expectations of Golden State this year? Where do you think they're going to seed? obviously roughly and in terms of a title contender are they that what are your thoughts on that um it's interesting because it's not actually something that i've really thought about that much uh this off season like i'm basically just i'm just seeing what happens at this point but obviously i think that they're going to be better this season than they were last season just or at least at the very least more consistent uh, obviously, Chris Paul is going to help a lot with that. Players like Dario Sarge, Trace Jackson Davis, if he does eventually get minutes. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is going to probably be taking that next uh, next step. And he's also just going to be playing. Uh, he's not going to have the Anthony Lamb wall in front of him. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I feel like at the very least, they're going to be more consistent. And I feel like that will be more important uh come playoff time because obviously like they're gonna make the playoffs but uh it's just a question of where they're gonna end up i still don't really know what the answer to that is because you have to think about uh just the teams that they're gonna be playing the the suns are gonna be dangerous the lakers are still pretty dangerous um the Nuggets, obviously, the Pelicans, like you have just a bunch of teams to to worry about. So it's going to be interesting. Although I do think that they are going to get off to a better start than they did last season, because now I feel like the urgency is there and it really wasn't last season. You're still <laughs> kind of on that championship hangover. And like I said before, the, the arrogancy, just, oh, we can take this night off. Yeah, you hope that this team comes in with a renewed sense of hunger because, again, they also haven't been out in the playoffs that early for some time. And I think a lot of the members since of the team— Since 2014. Since 2014. I feel like a lot of them are, are taking that to heart. And I feel like this team is kind of hard to rank because of what they've done, but also what just happened. And, like, if Steph gets hurt, Chris Paul's durability— yeah, like like all of these things come together and it makes people unsure of where they're going to rank. For me, I think they're going to hover be like the fifth or sixth spot. And I'll say that because if I'm projecting injuries and 
overall level of, of play with the size and all that. I think this team can peak as like a third or fourth seed. I think that's realistic if everything goes right based on how they play basketball. I get that they might not have like the size or like the length of other teams, but the consistency of how they play and the continuity and chemistry that they already have, I think that's going to make them beat other teams, even if they might not have the physical attributes that you would like. And honestly, I think if they're in that range at that point, it all becomes about matchups because contrary to popular belief, I think in terms of Denver, I think Denver is a very potent team, but I think Steph is the perfect card to really like exploit Denver's weakness defensively. Obviously, Denver has more size, I agree, but in terms of like matching up, that's what matters the most in the playoffs, how you match up. And there's so many teams in the West that match up well or don't at all with other teams for instance yeah people hate on the minnesota timberwolves and i get it but they match up well with denver and the lakers better than people would think and i think that that's why seeding to me matters so much because based on where we are that can choose how far this team gets in the postseason yeah <clears throat> i feel like it is uh definitely an interesting case because the um like sometimes the the deciding factor is the the matchups and what type of uh team you're going up against like i feel like the warriors definitely are one of the better teams equipped to deal with the nuggets uh but just in the nba um but obviously you just have to wait and see kind of what the team is going to look like what you know those dudes like chris paul are going to look like obviously having andrew wiggins just in the lineup for hopefully the whole more than 37 be... games yeah yeah i mean not really blaming him for it but just you know having him out there right right and like, like he you know <laughs> you know like other people <laughs> like other people is crazy he normally plays more games right so so like prorating that for a whole season if he does that our defense especially yeah. having gp2 to start earlier should be better than last year by the end of the season gonna be some rough spots of course oh but my. Hey. oh my god remember the like the start that andrew wiggins was having last year before like the what was he was it? on fire he was on fire yeah, he was like, on fire last his, year bro. his last his last game before that injury he hit like nine threes and had like 35 points yeah it was crazy like we were seeing some great stuff out of him but i agree with you man um those are the expectations for this team. At a certain point, though, like I'm, I'm tired of having to like mentally think about all of these twelve playoff teams and which teams are gonna make the playoffs or not. I'm just happy that basketball yeah. is officially here today for us to like watch and look at. So I'm excited about I have, that. I have things to talk about. <laughs> I have things to talk about now. I don't, I don't have to spend my off season breaking down all thirty, which I like doing. That it was fun for me to do that, but it's, it's just easier to have basketball in front of you like i i get a chance to see what happens with james harden trade is it going to happen or not how good are the clippers going to be how good are the wolves going to be right like these things i get a chance to finally get an answer yeah. to so i'm hyped man i really am i cannot wait to see the celtics i can't wait for the celtics either bro the celtics or the bucks i mean i feel like with the bucks we kind of <sighs> that's gonna be so crazy like I feel like with the Bucks, we already kind of know 
what we're getting like we're gonna get a lot of dame <laughs> and Giannis uh actions a lot of dame and chris middleton actions yep uh so i feel like that's just gonna be crazy to see like offensively the celtics uh <sighs> drew holiday just being there is gonna be so drew and Derek crazy. white is a backcourt defensively with yeah yeah because i i feel like and i talked about with this in the the video i made uh a couple of weeks ago about the the drew holiday trade i feel like the thing that a lot of people are worried about with drew holiday is his playoff performance which kind of you know goes under the radar at times but the thing to think about is that he's not even really gonna be having that much offensive responsibility anymore with jason tatum and jalen brown uh or you know just in terms of like scoring and even porzingis to an extent they're all gonna be uh looked at as like the one, two, and three uh, in terms of just like scoring options. And so he's mainly like his main job in a playoff setting is going to be the playmaking and the defense. And then also if they do meet the Bucks in the playoffs, he's matching up against Dame again. And we know what happened last time that happened. So we sure do. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, these, these teams are going to be fun. Um, quick point before I wrap on the Celtics. I, I just like the floor of that team offensively. I feel like you have to respect everyone. And Porzingis shoots 40 from three, but also was the most efficient post-up option in the league outside of Jokic, which is crazy to say. And you're now telling me that he's in a much better system where he was rolling and dunking the ball in preseason. Like, I, I just... Yeah. Like, they, they ran a lineup. I feel like I talked about this, or I, I tweeted about it. They mm -hmm. ran a lineup in one of the games uh and it was like right when i had like started watching it was like the first quarter they were running a lineup of drew holiday uh sam hauser Jalen, yep. or I, I think it was Jalen brown i forget uh no it, it was jason tatum at the three al horford at the four and porzingis at the five they can do that so too. it was yeah yeah <laughs> i was like the shortest player here is drew holiday and he's six foot five in a defensive menace <laughs> There's a legitimate argument that with Derek White, Tatum, Porzingis, and Jalen Brown, um, your weakest defender in that lineup is Jalen Brown. And like, <laughs> if your weakest defender is Jalen Brown, even though he can be flawed off ball sometimes, that is a crazy thing to be able to say. Oh, also with another thing about Drew Holiday that I forgot to say in my video about the Celtics. You take the ball out of uh, Jason Jalen Brown's hands more, <laughs> so and, that and is he's much better as an off-ball player. Much better, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Guy making sixty mil a year, but can't go left. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Hey, hey, double D. I gotta say, that's a crazy final sentence tab on the podcast. I'm gonna <laughs> listen. I'm gonna put an echo on that for the clips when this comes out. But I appreciate you so so much again as an nba content creator you've been doing it for some time now i'm still new to the game so i appreciate you being down to sit here and talk with me for literally an hour and seven minutes i didn't think that this would go on like this but great conversations um definitely want to mm -hmm. keep in touch with you to see how this team progresses but the boston celtics 100 that is my second most watched team for this season i'm pretty sure i'm gonna watch a ton of celtics games so i can't wait to see how that pops out but as a content creator, I want you to let the people know 
about some things you got going on i'll be sure to put all your stuff in the description and comments below um yeah so youtube obviously uh I'm, I'm not really sure about what else i'm gonna be doing this year i'm probably gonna be streaming a lot more on twitch uh just you know gaming and things like that playback uh i'm gonna be trying to do more of the watch parties and things like that playback.tv so yeah can't really think of anything else right now but oh also Bet. follow the twitter on there a lot Bet. go follow go follow the twitter and, and go follow the playback i forgot to say this earlier in, in the beginning of the podcast as well but make sure to tap into this podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and also on the youtube i also will be streaming games on playback i'm gonna try to stream at least one game of every nba team daily every warriors game we're for sure going to be watching on playback so tap in there i'm aiming to be a lot more consistent for this upcoming season but Basketball is tonight, people. Uh, uh, me and Denver d didn't have time to really go through the Suns prediction game. We might get ran out the gym. or We might run them out the gym. I don't know. But have a good one. We'll catch you guys. Peace out. Enjoy NBA basketball. Peace, people.